What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. If, well, you're hearing us. Hopefully you're uh, in the midst of 61 and sunny. We're kind of cloudy now, but dust the grill off, man. Enjoy it as uh, it's been a, a crazy January. Case in point, your last two weekends of NFL action and uh, Mighty Joe and uh, the Zach attack headed to the Super Bowl. Some thoughts on what happened in Arrowhead and uh, what Cincinnati was able to do and what Kansas City didn't do. Tom Brady, is he or isn't he? We'll check in with a Tom Brady aficionado and teammate and uh, friend of the show, former Husker standout Russ Hochstein, going to be with us at 525. Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride, another Monday with Charlie. His coach will do his weekly sit-down with us, uh, all things uh, football and, of course, some recruiting. Uh, Greg Smith in 20 minutes. You can join us, can dial us up, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-800. Five eight six five. Can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio or Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence for Elijah. Good Twitter follow there. And listen, so my Sunday was was pretty awesome. Went over to some friend's house. Jay Bird fired up the old pulled pork on the uh the smoker. Uh his wife Jilly was all over her DraftKings. <laughs> I love that she's like, well, it's only four bucks. But she was she's like, a little, little action keeps me interested in football. So she was setting her lineup for first and second half. And we all kind of looked at each other like this thing's over, right? How and when does Kansas City, uh, you know, turn their white pants yellow? When does that happen? Never is the answer until yesterday. Uh, until about uh, a minute left in the first half when greed isn't always good. Wall Street's a great movie. Uh, Michael Douglas and, and Gordon Gecko, Gecko uh, the the greed speech only rivaled by Al Pacino and Sin of a Woman, right? And Kansas City got greedy. Kansas City gets too cute for their own good in the red zone, and the Chiefs have been able to overpower, overcome, pretty much too big to fail with their offense, with their quarterback, with their weapons, with their play calling, and with their new and improved defense with a pass rush. What happened? Well, Burrow was able to escape when there was pressure and and, and hit guys downfield. There was a T. Higgins sighting. Uh, you, You kept running the football with that stretch zone with Mixon. The team that that has been here 
four straight times. Am I off? No, I'm not. Four straight AFC championships. Working on a, on a third consecutive Super Bowl. Up 21 to 3. Got in their own head. And there's criticism out there, old Big Red. Not football, but Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid. Any dude that can go to eight conference championship games is an amazing coach. Uh, any guy that can get to three Super Bowls knows what he's doing. But I just wonder, and, and they survived it against Buffalo, right? You think back to the third quarter. Might have been early part of the fourth quarter. But you have this, this wildcat formation where you're running some option. Right? Blake Bill gets under center, runs a little option. Buffalo snuffs it out. You're forced to kick a field goal. Buffalo goes down and score. Kansas City, because of excellence, uh, able to to survive and win probably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, playoff game ever. Fast forward to this weekend. You're up 21-3. to You get too greedy. You, you throw a swing pass to, to Hill. He doesn't get out of bounds. You, you, you waste three points. And I understand that three points aren't going to win you ball games. You need to get seven. But you're up. You're up by 11. Why not go into halftime up 14? And then it just started off. It gave Cincinnati life. It gave him some belief. It gave him a, a, a gasp of air as you've been waterboarding them for a first half. And Cincinnati started to go a little Ted Lasso, started to believe couple of three and outs, you get a pick, and Cincinnati kept chomping wood. They didn't panic. They didn't go air assault. They kept running on first down. What's quite amazing is is the fact that it was second and nine, and they were able to, to do enough to make it third and manageable. And Joe Burrow, living up to that Joe Cool 2.0 nickname that was reserved for the likes of Montana, you know, Joe's still got to go win a championship, and, you know, as a – as a Nebraska guy, I hope Zach and Joe do do it. Uh, the, the Rams are fun and nice, but uh, I always kind of root for, secretly root for the Nebraska connections, right? And I think most of the state's wearing orange today, uh, and it ain't hunting season uh, because of it. I, I look at the implosion, and I just wonder if Kansas City will will be the same. And I know that's, oh, that's hyperbole, but think about it, man. I mean... What's their window like? What's their window look like when you have some of the, the understudies that want to go get paid? The Pringles of the world that are phenomenal and they're matchup nightmares and they're a combination of power and speed on top of your studs, right? I mean, you've got Kelsey, you've got Hill, you've got Mahomes, you got a good running game. It, it's always worked. And, and it didn't. And what Cincinnati did is... They said, all right, we're getting carved up. I mean, Mahomes is 11 for 12, the first three drives with touchdowns and 100 and a half on us. The way they spread you out, they they check it down for nine every play. It was clinical. It was surgical. And then Cincinnati said, well, screw it. We're we're dying this way. Let's try something new. And they went into a 3-1-7 defense where they drop some of their best pass rushers to at least chip and stay in the vicinity of Kelsey. They'd spy Mahomes on a second level. The three-down lineman gave her hell with, rushing, with, with, with kind of a mush rush 
with with Mahomes and his mobility, and then with that those number of guys dropped back, you're able to double Kelsey and Hill. And then Patrick tried to just get to the sideline too much. I mean, there was just no rhythm, and they were going too high safety. And I'm not Mr. Football X's and O, but you do the math game. And can, what made Kansas City too big to fail, to, in my mind, is the fact that they they turned into a, a patient offense. And if they had the numbers, they'd do the old shotgun handoff. They'd run it. They became a running football team. And they were okay with it. They were okay methodically holding on to the football the last half of the season and just running off seven plays, 80 yards, six minutes a clock. So when you have an explosive offense that can also go ball control, good luck stopping that unless they stop themselves. Part of it was their play calling. Part of it was their ego. Part of it was Cincinnati getting after it in the secondary, being more physical and then getting after the quarterback and getting a decent amount of pressure with just three, with nowhere to go for Mahomes, no safety valve, no easy throw. They took away the crossing routes, and they uh, took away some of those passing lanes. And that was what Cincinnati executed. You can try it, since and, and Kansas City can still carve you up because they're that good. But, man, momentum's such a powerful thing in the world of sports and you saw it flip with about 90 seconds left in the first half Cincinnati came out got a stop got a score and just kept after it and then uh, made the plays when they had to with the touchdown and the two-point conversion to tie it and then yet Elijah you have 90 seconds you're at the five and it's like oh I don't want to score too quick instead of worrying about the defense when the defense had to come up with a stop on Burrow and company, just go get the touchdown. And and why, for the life of me, if you're in the red zone, isn't Kelsey in on every single down? He wasn't on that second down. Yeah, back-to-back sacks. And your your ace is, is Butker because he's incredible. And, yeah, he sent it to overtime. But Kansas City just got in their own head again. And I just wonder – if, if it's a situation where this – is Kansas City going to be a playoff team next year? Yeah. Are they going to be bent on revenge, righting this wrong? Or does it start slipping away? Is, is, the, is the era what we just saw and, you know, one for two in Super Bowls and NFC, AFC championships, is it done? Is, is Buffalo next up? Is Cincinnati going to stay on top of the AFC? I think it's uh, that half of the conference is too good and too full of quarterbacks. That, I mean, that, that's how dominant Kansas City's been. Look at everyone else rising up. Right? I know New, England, New England's a playoff team, but I mean, look at Kansas City's last three years, the leads they've overcome, the turnovers they've overcome, the, the ability to just flat out outscore people the last two postseasons it's felt like kansas city's been down 20 to 7 and they've erupted because of their incredible skill and talent but it finally caught up with them with some of their indecision some of their bad decision making and then you had a defense just get hot i mean cincinnati's defense is barely in the top 20 of the nfl they've got some good players they invested in the offseason defensively to go with burrow uh, and, and, of course, you, you land a, a gold 
card in in Chase. But the offensive line's a nightmare. They they didn't sack maybe once, maybe once, they just once, and then they hurried. Uh, they they hurried Burrow a few times, but for the most part, he got out of it and made throws. That's what's been incredible about Burrow is he's had so much pressure. He's not had too many wide and out of the strike zone throws. He's made a lot of money throws in tough situations. Uh, that's that's a credit to his greatness and how 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 special he is. But man, uh, what a what a ball game by Cincy uh, and. What a comeback by Cincinnati. Uh, tied for the most points. They trailed and came back. You have to go back to that uh, incredible Colts comeback on New England in the uh, the 06 AFC Championship game. Couldn't believe what I saw, but I thought it was really cool to see Zach and, and, uh, and, and Joe Burrow do their thing along with um, just seeing a team not panic, make an adjustment, and then go execute it. And I think my biggest takeaway from yesterday was that the Chiefs' offense is fine. And I know there's going to be talk about the increased cap hit that Patrick Mahomes is going to have this season. But really, the Chiefs are going to have to rebuild their defense this offseason anyway because in the past four years, they've been let down by their defense three times. First against Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. Uh, then they, they won the Super Bowl, did fine, but then they got let down in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay, and now their defense has let them down again uh, against Cincinnati, just letting them back into their game. I know the offense probably could have put up a few more points in the second half. Well, yeah, the, you, the, the offense you can't is get, get shut out. The, the offense is, is going to have the headlines for their second half performance, but uh, the defense was getting turned to Swiss cheese in the second half as well. Fair. No, I mean, the defense needed to, to step up on the offense, but the point is, is your bread and butter mm-hmm. is your offense, and... Because of ego, you, you, oh, we're too good to take three points. 14-point lead going into half, much different feel. You probably have a little bit of momentum if you're Cincy, holding them to three. But to keep them out of the end zone and then go get a stop and then go get an interception and rattle Mahomes like that, who'd have thought? Just Cincinnati, just those in the locker room. Quick. And, and the resilience, uh, before, we, before we move on, of uh, the Bengals to fight back after one of the, the heart and soul guys of their offense, uh, Uzama, yeah, uh, went down. He, he's a guy that was just a big presence on the sideline. He goes down, and, and they still battle back after that. Full credit to the Bengals. Uh, just incredible, incredible work by Zach Taylor. We'll dive into recruiting here. How did the uh, visit weekend go? Greg Smith with this Nebraska basketball. I didn't see the first half. We were doing Southwest and Central, uh, the boys game. Uh, great effort by uh, Southwest girls. They were incredible. They knocked off number two Central, the boys. And Coach Bond company right there was Central. Couldn't quite close the deal, but uh, great ball game to cover. We're thankful for that opportunity. Uh, but I saw the second half of Nebraska having a cold one, and you just felt like, well, can they hang on? Can they hang on? They, they lived, led for 37 minutes and change. And no, they couldn't hang on because of well, offensive rebounding and the way they closed both halves. Fred Hoiberg, uh, Saturday after the loss. I don't think it was a lack of execution. It was just a lack of, you know, going in there. They made they made plays on the ball. You know, they blocked two shots. You know, the out-of-bounds play, they sandwiched our inbounder, did, made a good play on that. <clears throat> uh, the next one, Bryce came off, got double-teamed a little bit. G- give Rutgers credit on, on a lot of that defensively. Um, you know, but again, wanted, Bryce had had a lot of success with the ball in the middle of the floor, and we want to continue to get him those opportunities. Um, you know, and then and they made the plays on the stretch. We didn't. You know, in – Kudos to, to Bryce McGowan. He is adjusted to the Big Ten. We'll hear more from Hoiberg here in 20 minutes. 
And I know most of you are like, it's Nebraska basketball. Sorry, don't care. They're 0-10 in conference play. But they have found different ways to lose. Sometimes they're blown out. Sometimes they don't do the little things all of the time, at least in conference play. They've not done the little things enough to win. And then in this instance, they came out. They responded after a, a lull or two. And what, what you're seeing here is maturation by, by Bryce McGowan. Uh, he is playing really good basketball. He's taking better shots. He's getting to the line. And right now, instead of advertising a five-star stud that's going to go to the NBA, it's an advertisement of what happens when you're a five-star and you come to Nebraska and there's bad chemistry. You're wasting an opportunity and a performance. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Coming up, we'll check in with Charlie McBride a Monday with Charlie. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We say hi to recruiting insider Greg Smith. At Greg Smith HV on Twitter, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast will drop. Must listen to, uh, listen to Greg anyway this week. Greg, what do you know? How are you? <laughs> I am very well. Trying to get the grill fired up today yes. uh, with this nice weather. See, that's what I did to open the show before we dove into Kansas City, Cincinnati. I said, wherever you're hearing us, man, uh, there's a good chance that it's 60 and money outside, so... Get the grill going. Um, I made the mistake of I'm trying to eat more fish, right? And okay. uh, that fish being ahi tuna because I'm a snob. And, <laughs> uh, you know, you can go pay for it 20 bucks at a sweet restaurant or you can get the filet here in town. And and it's just two minutes each side. It's perfect medium. It's it's wonderful. But I tried doing it in the air fryer when it was one of those teen days, you know, about 12 degrees outside. So not only did I blow up the, the living room with uh, the, the smell of ahi tuna, which is a no-no, but it just, <laughs> it just ain't the same. And I even set it on grill. My air fryer's got a grill setting. But no, uh, today is, is absolutely go grill and dust it off. What are you doing for us? Are, are you, I should say, if we surprise you. <laughs> So, first of all, we got to talk about this because I actually I have a a honey glazed salmon air fryer recipe for you. Uh, That's money. Uh, But on the if salmon was if salmon was money, yes, you would. It is. I'm telling you, I hated it. I didn't eat it before this, and now I kind of enjoy it. I've had it three times in two weeks. Um, Burgers (laughs) and pork chops are on the menu for today. Ooh, boom. Pork chops and burgers, that is the ultimate uh, first or second down call. I like it. I like it. So Greg is uh, Greg is feeding the neighborhood. Uh, pork chops and, 
and uh, and burgers. That's the way to go. Uh, talk to me a little bit here about this this weekend here. Another junior day for the Big Red. Uh, signing day is Wednesday. Let's start with uh, some of the prospects that, that kind of piqued your interest that were in town this weekend. Yeah, there are a handful of guys, maybe more than that, that, that were really interested in this weekend. I think kind of led uh, by 2023 Iowa quarterback J.J. Cole, um, 6'6", 220 uh, is about what he goes out of Iowa. More of a pocket-passing guy, but can throw on the run. Um, as he's really shot up Nebraska's board here since Mark Whipple has come aboard, but Nebraska knew about him uh, before that because he was in Lincoln for their 7-on-7 seven seven camp, and his team won that this past summer. Um, talked to him. He had a really good visit and had a, a good time doing film study with Mark Whipple and learning some more about the future offense. Um, and then there were guys, a couple of guys that, that are known to Nebraska fans already that were back in town, and every time they're in town, it's notable. Uh, Caleb Benning, uh, 2024 mm-hmm. defensive back out of Omaha Westside, uh, 2024 Bellevue West wide receiver Davon Hall, and then also 2024 defensive back Mario Buford, whose brother is on the team currently. You get that trio going uh, for the 24 class, and you've got a nice start to that as well. You do, and Nebraska's really concentrated on the 500-mile radius, 35 offers out in Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Colorado, and, of course, uh, in-state for 2023 and then looking to 2024. Love that emphasis. I think there's a lot of talent around here, clearly, that that everyone else has (laughs) gotten in on. Uh, Nebraska's re-emphasized the the 500-mile radius, and that's big with Coach Bush and, and Joseph. I want to go back to the quarterbacks here. J.J. Uh, Coles from Des Moines. Avery Johnson's out of, out of kind of northern Wichita, Mays, Kansas. What, what is your take based on film with these kids? What, what do you like about Cole? What do you like about Johnson? Yeah, what I like about Cole is he really looks like a traditional classic Big Ten quarterback, big, strong kid that's got a really good arm, can push the ball down the field, um, comes from a good family. Obviously, his dad uh, with the kicking academy, so he's got football in the family. Um, uh, Johnson, the thing that I really like about him, he's a multi sport athlete um, that really, I think, is just scratching the surface of his potential. And that's not to say he's like an under-the-radar uh, recruit at all, because he's not. Uh, he's a borderline four-star kid. He's got a, a lot of teams in the region and, and beyond after him. Um, Arkansas is really in the mix, and I think he was there this past weekend. Uh, but both of them, there's a lot to like about both of those two kids. And I really think at this point that those are the two at the top of the board for Nebraska's 2023 quarterback list, um, which has kind of been reshaped here over the last couple of if you had to give me a, a, a take, is Nebraska in on Cole early enough? Are they too late with Johnson or or no? I do think I think that they're in early enough on Cole, um, and I think that they really have his attention. Uh, Penn State offered him j- this weekend as well, so so he's got you know a number of quality schools after him. I'm I'm curious on Johnson on whether or not Nebraska is too little, too late. That if they've been able to make up that ground, I know they've been out to see him. I think three times uh, during this contact period, basically as much as they possibly could, including a Scott Frost visit um, out to his school. So they're trying hard, but that one's going to be tough to. to Cracking. What do you chalk up some of the? Uh, I don't want to say mismanagement, but why, why do you think Nebraska's now trying to make up ground on an Avery Johnson when he's five hours away? 
Yeah, it drives me nuts. I'm glad you brought that up because there's another guy in Kansas, out of Derby, Kansas, uh, same high school as Alice Kahn, who's currently on the team at offensive line. Dylan Edwards is a running back, um, and he just recently got his offer from Nebraska. Same with Johnson. Like, I just think that there was something kind of missing with Nebraska's recruiting strategy and kind of what we were seeing from some of the assistants that are no longer here. Like, it's just tough to understand why, say, Kansas, Missouri in particular, those two states, um, Texas, even we've seen a lot of Texas offers go out here with, with Brian Applewhite. Like those states should probably always be a focus for Nebraska staff, no matter who's on the staff. Um, so seeing that intensity pick up is good, but at the same time, it does leave you scratching your head. Greg, I, I want to touch on the uh, the signing day coming up here in just a few days. Uh, AJ Allen seems to be a guy that uh, is picking up a lot of momentum. Uh, uh, I know a lot of people predicting that he's going to be in the boat for Nebraska. The other names to watch, or uh, or is it just AJ Allen? This is one of the weirdest uh, <laughs> signing days that you're going to see, I think, um, as you really focus on just that one name with A.J. Allen, Louisiana running back, who is technically still committed to TCU. He committed to Brian Applewhite. Um, either way, I'd be surprised if he ends up at TCU. Mississippi State um, is also in the mix here for his services. Um, but, no, he's about it, unless there's some sort of big surprise that I just have no idea about. I think Allen's the only guy in the mix. Portal has been a focus, and Nebraska's done well in the portal. Any surprises portal-wise that could happen here by Wednesday? Uh, I don't think so. I think that with the class, with where we are with the class calendar and the semester starting, and it's been a, a, at least a week into the semester, I think we're past the cutoff on that. I do think that that's going to be a big storyline still, though, once we get past spring ball. Um, and I think Nebraska has a handful of positions that they're still looking at uh, trying to get somebody in for. And you'll have a better idea of, of what the roster looks like once you go through spring ball and all these new coaches can work hands-on with guys. Yeah, Greg, defensive line is one of those spots where it feels like Nebraska had a few swings and misses during the, the early portal period, if you will. Uh, and now we've learned over the weekend that Jordan Riley's officially transferring to Oregon. Do, do you think defensive line is a spot where Nebraska's going to be working pretty hard this spring to get some more transfer portal additions in? Yeah, 100%. I think they're going to have to. Um, the Riley news, and if you really think about it, there hasn't been a ton of great news for Nebraska's defensive line this offseason. You lose your coach, you lose a couple of guys to the portal, you lose a couple of guys to the early entry in the NFL draft, and we'll kind of see where they land. Um, and they could have potentially come back in DeAndre Thomas and Damian Daniels. Um, and then, like you said, you have a couple of swings and misses in the portal. Um, I definitely think Nebraska needs to go ahead and continue to add. I think you're at this point, you have two defensive lines and Ty Robinson and Casey Rogers that you feel really good about. And then you've got a whole bunch of question marks. Nebraska needs a guy or two, I think, out of the portal at that position. What are you putting odds down for with Damian and, and D-Train? Do they come back? Do they grad transfer or one-time transfer? Do they stick it out and, and try and make a roster? What, what do you think? I think they're both going to try to stick it out and make a roster. We'll see. It's going to be a real uphill battle. It's nothing against them. It's just that when you don't have a combine invite, um, as we've seen with other guys right here in recent history, like it becomes really difficult for you to get on. Um, so we'll see. But I think that they'll both probably try to stick it out and see if they can make a roster. Greg Smith with us, recruiting insider, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Uh, can follow him on Twitter at GregSmithHV. So recruiting has been pretty good. Nebraska's had a number of kids in. We've highlighted the, the Bush-Joseph-Applewhite trio. 
of of just kind of their their intensity, their connections, the the fact that they're all always all over the trail. Two names to to get from you. A um, you have the, the the Bama kid, the Jacquiz, um Bucks or Bucks? Yes. Bucks. Yep. Okay. Look, man, I got that right the first time. Uh, tell me about Bucks real quick here, and then William Nazari, uh, Arkansas, Iowa State, Iowa. Looking at him, those are a couple of kids. I think twenty twenty four, but they were big in uh, this weekend. They're two uh, two good sized defensive linemen. Yeah, I think Bucks is a, well. Both of them are really interesting. Bucks is is more of kind of a, a guy on the defensive line that can play all three positions for you. And I think that he's under the radar at this point. Um, and Nebraska did a really good job of, of getting out in front and having him on campus. I talked to him briefly uh, via message over the weekend, and he really liked what he saw and told me that if he can get an opportunity to do so, he's going to come back uh, to Nebraska. So I, I would really watch for him this summer uh, and spring to blow up. Um, and then Noari, um, I. I think that he's a kid that Nebraska is going to continue to try to hammer home, right? I think he's out of Lee Summit uh, out in Missouri, and he was uh, one of a handful of kids from this weekend that was up here from that school. That's one of those hotspot schools outside of Kansas City, and Nebraska working hard to kind of get back into there. I think they're smart to start kind of with those 24 kids so they can have a long runway. Uh, but he's more of an edge rusher, uh, 6'5", 235 or so, and put on some weight and continue to be that pass rush specialist that Nebraska desperately needs. Uh, but I think did a good job of getting in early with some of those schools that have already offered him. About 30 seconds. Last thought here on the D-line, DJ Chester. He's out of Georgia, uh, and his offer list is, well, look, you got Mario in Miami, you got LSU. I hope there's no videos uh, with Chester <laughs> uh, and and uh, BK, and then, and then you got the Pirate, of course. But uh, Nebraska, they stand okay with Chester? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's from the same high school as Marquise Black, the current defensive lineman uh, that Nebraska has. I know some other guys Nebraska's recruited from that school and was in right in the mix for, uh, like him. And it's so interesting you say about his offer list. If you look up and you're like, man, Nebraska got in early, and then you realize that all of these Southern powers have already offered him because uh, these kids just never go unnoticed or very rarely down there. Uh, but he's a good player, and Nebraska hopes uh, to continue to position themselves to land him. Greg, have a good week. Uh, send us a picture of the burger and, per- and pork chops as you uh, get Greg's grill going, and we'll talk here uh, possibly on Wednesday. Thanks for the time, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm going to change your mind on that salmon. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Greg Smith. The full recon posted on Hail Varsity's podcast section, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. The show will be up a little bit after 6 today. ESPNLincoln.com and of course the, the Twitter handle at ESPN Lincoln. 
Uh, Elijah will have that up there. Good stuff from Greg on the quarterbacks, on the defensive line here for the future, and what to expect Wednesday. Should be a good media session from Coach Frost. We'll have a full replay of that for you uh, when we get when we take to the air Wednesday at four and hoping to, to, to chat with a couple of the assistants as well. So uh, that on the docket, numbers to get in, 466-377-6800-825-5865. You're trying to get through uh, the first 20 minutes. Uh, we're open here till 5, right before Coach McBride. So dial up if you feel like it. So, Elijah, you got your, uh, your umpire in gear this weekend. You're ready for more days like today in the near future for – all the baseball you umpire, but you also had a chance to get a sneak peek at some Husker baseball, and I know they, they get rocking here the 18th of February is uh, the, uh, the the month is just upon us tomorrow. Early impressions? You had a look-see. What would you think? Yeah, uh, I don't want to get into too much here because, you know, uh, they made you will get You will get uh, – you will get – cattle prodded and we'll never see or hear from you again <laughs> as far as practices go however they, they did not have me sign a non-disclosure agreement so that's fine yeah, no. you want to be able to co- go back overall thought because i know the the concern is what was lost i know there's uh talent back right with with max and, and bryce and you got schwelly but you need to find... Uh, Schwelly's off to the MLB. You got Cam Chick coming back. Chick, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, Schwelly's money. But he's clearly uh, off to MLB. Uh, slip of the mind, my fault. But the point is, is you need to find arms. Then you need to find a Friday night guy. You need to find uh, guys to step up. And uh, there are bodies there. You just you just don't know, right? You just don't know in that role what, what can happen. And uh, from your umpire observations well uh, the first thing that stood out to me was uh there's a lot of faces i recognized from around high school ball uh around the city that that were uh it, that were playing various different positions i, I saw max peterson from southwest yep. out there uh you also had uh let's see uh sartori mm-hmm. uh sartori from lincoln southwest uh i saw him playing out in the outfield uh randazzo is another young guy uh that i saw playing so that was the the main thing that stood out to me uh, was a lot of local cats a lot of local flavor on this Husker baseball team with some uh, some guys from around the country also sprinkled in. Uh, got to get a chance to get out there and umpire with uh, one Jimmy Motes. Oh, yeah. So he, really? He was out there umpiring with me uh, on Saturday, and uh, he had a good conversation with, really? uh, with C.J. Hood, who had the uh, the day off on Saturday. J- Jimmy, the, the coach, is also umping. Yeah, apparently that's his uh, his summer gig whenever he is uh, done, done with school base- and done okay. coaching basketball. He gets okay. out and umpires some baseball around uh, southeast Nebraska, so... Uh, yeah, got to see a, a lot of people out there. Colby Gomes in action. Looks like he's going to be back this you year. You doing all right? Uh, or just, just getting back? Uh, he's he's getting back, and uh, it's just good to see him back out there after sure. uh, a year-long layoff. So uh, I'm excited for what this Husker baseball team can be, and uh, I, I think it's uh, going to be a lot of fun to follow them this season. No, they'll be good. And, and uh, the, the impact of Rob Childress was uh, immediately noticeable. He was out there uh, coaching up all his pitchers all day and uh, – giving some stick to the umps whenever the strike zone was a little bit tight. So I think that Rob Childress impact will be huge this season. You got to love uh, Coach Childress, and, and he's big-time, wonderful addition. And, yeah, Nebraska baseball, I can't wait to be back uh, from Omaha, right, when we get there in June for the CWS. And we'll see if Nebraska makes another run. I know that's lofty expectation, but that's what is uh, is the goal in, in their own clubhouse. You know it is. You know it's another Big Ten 
title. You know, it's a deep run in regional and super regional. And the ultimate goal is getting to Omaha in in June. And uh, we'll see if Nebraska can make that happen. One, one thing I will say is uh, we'll see if this year's hitting is a little bit different. I did see uh, a good number of home runs on Saturday. So some, which, more, some more power? We'll, we'll see about that. Den Hartog was where the, uh, the scrimmage was on Saturday, and that's can be a bit of a wind tunnel at times, and it's got um, some, some shorter, smaller outfields. So, so the wind's blowing out and a shorter porch. Yes. Okay. So uh, did, did see a couple home runs, and uh, that was encouraging to see because who doesn't love the long ball? Chicks well, dig the long They ball. do, and it's a, still a great commercial. So we get uh, into this theme today of crunch time and management. And uh, when it's uh, when it's cutting time, how do you respond? How do you finish? Nebraska basketball didn't. The final 342, just three points against Rutgers. You do all that work. You have a couple of runs. You respond. You get a, a career-high tying 29 from Bryce. And... Uh, it just was no good. Fred, after the game, on clearly what happened with uh, Nebraska, that final 320. You know, obviously a very difficult stretch for us. Uh, they made some good plays on drives to the basket. Um, you know, got the ball in the middle of the floor. We had some success with middle pick and roll. Uh, found Derek on one, which got Trey the open three in the corner. I think there's about four and a half minutes left to hit that one. Unfortunately, that was our last basket, um, you know, going down the stretch. So, you know, just got to find a way uh, to finish one of these games to get the confidence to know we can do it. We did a lot of good things out there to give ourselves a chance to win a game when we shot under 30%. So defensively, I thought it was our best effort of the season. I thought rebounding, you know, McKay, he got a big one obviously down the stretch, but held this team to eight offensive rebounds. This team that manhandled us uh, a couple weeks ago in in New Jersey. So, you know, got to find a way to get one of these. End of the first, end of the second uh, were the things that cost us in this game. So you had Kobe Webster get the start and Verge was out, but Verge was still there supporting his teammates. And you feel horrible for Verge, had a loss in his family right before the ball game is what it sounds like. And that sucks for anybody. That sucks for that young man, and you're uh, you're you're thinking of him and his family right now, with uh, with his loss. Kobe got an opportunity. Kobe's always a guy that's going to play hard. Kobe's always a guy that is is going to be able to facilitate to facilitate. I mean, he's not always looking to to score. Uh, he is kind of been a score but he wasn't Saturday tough tough night for him 0 for 10 and uh it came down to him trying to tie things as he did draw a foul with nine tenths uh left in the ball game can we, can we put foul in air quotes though that was it was it was a it was a ghost foul but still you at least got at least you got the call at home mm-hmm. to give yourself a chance to send it to overtime but it wasn't to be, and, and he felt awful about it. Listen, this is on everybody. This isn't on Kobe. This is on you know me. Um, you know, it's on all the every player. Uh, you know, that's part of this program. And Kobe did a lot of really good things out there for us, getting us into actions, getting us into sets, and a start. And you know, unfortunately, it was just one of those nights which all of us that have played this game have had. And you know, told him in the locker room, keep your head up. Did a lot of good things out there. You know, generally in games like this, it, it's not all about the last play. It's obviously magnified, but you know, there's plenty of mistakes throughout the course of the game. You know, unfortunately, you know, listen, our guys 
did enough to win uh, with their effort, with their energy. You know, Trey's block and transition, CJ following it up, getting the, getting the deflection. We did enough uh, energy things, you know, to deserve that win. You know, unfortunately, it just didn't go our way at the end. It didn't, and Kobe did other things to try and help the team. Didn't let his offense affect the rest of his well contributions but if he's going to get the start he's got to do better than 0 for 10 he knows that see if he bounces back against michigan and now and now back to hail varsity radio 10 minutes away we'll check in with mr blackshirt charlie mcbride a monday with charlie get coach's take on burrow the Bengals, zach taylor and spring ball i think we're under 70 days away from the spring game and Winter conditioning happening, and then uh, we'll get some spring ball started up here in the near future, end of February, which will be good. So, uh, Coach McBride's thoughts on that. And then Russ Hochstein, uh, 12 years in the NFL, played with the Chiefs, played with the Donks, but seven years with uh, the Patriots and uh, two Super Bowls, back-to-back championships, uh, really close with Tom Brady. So, what does what does Russ think about Brady? Is he... Retiring? Is he still weighing on it? Does Giselle say uh, no more football for you? What's what's going on? We'll get Russ's take. A reminder to get buckled up. Coaches make substitutions during the game to get the best player on the field. Getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Sober drivers are the only choice. A DUI costs more than you think. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So let's hear from Zach Taylor. Let's hear from uh, Joe Burrow. And uh, this is Zach uh, specifically here on what flipped the momentum, the end of that first half where Casey got the goose egg, didn't even get the three. That happened against Jacksonville earlier in the season. The people have watched us. We were down by two scores. They went for it. Our defense got a stop going into halftime on the goal line and prevented a three-score lead. And so we've got that stuff in our memory bank. So when our defense makes that play and we're down 11, just like we were four or five weeks ago against the Chiefs, 11 going into halftime, we we knew that we were going to be able to go win that game. So, again, shot of confidence. Hey, you've done it before. You guys can do it again. Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville and Urban Meyer and the scene from Tommy Boy where uh, Chris Farley has the vehicle on fire. Here comes the meat wagon. Uh, yeah, th- that's Jacksonville. But the point is, is you prevented a, a three-score <laughs> deficit. And, and you f- okay, hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll make it work. But the, what what made it work was Joe Burrow, how good he was in the second half. Not an insane passer rating, but listen, uh, survived an interception that was a, a tipped ball, got out of some trouble, made incredible throws. Again, more from Zach Taylor on Burrow. When the game's on the line, he's going to figure it out. Whether it's with his feet or extending plays, um, he kind of made a uh, he made a comment last night. He's going to try to rush for 100 yards, and and uh, I don't know how many yards he ran for, um, but but he sure took off there in the fourth quarter and made some huge plays with his feet. And um, that comment he made last night in our quarterback meeting kind of registered with me that you know he realized he didn't have enough yards rushing again. He's going to try to get them all in the fourth quarter. So um, he ju- he just finds a way to make plays when there isn't a play to be made makes my life much easier. There doesn't have to be the perfect play call. He's going to figure it out. He does. He gets it done. Now, true or false, and I enjoyed The Rock's tweet. 
two guys with turtlenecks and uh, wearing some some jewelry. Uh, the difference is, Rock's like, look, I'm wearing a fanny pack and had a brutal haircut. Uh, Joe Cool looked all right. Would you rock that type of a chain, Elijah? Is that your style to to just go? all in on real diamonds because, you know, you'd make too much money for it to be fake. See, I feel like whenever you're an, uh, an starting NFL quarterback who's going to the Super Bowl, you can rock whatever you want. Would I wear it? Like, with me in my current life? No. If I'm going to the Super Bowl, probably. <laughs> I Because mean, Joe's just, he's kind of accepted it. He's got the swag, and I think uh, the rest of his teammates kind of grin at, at the bling, right? Uh, we'll dive into our two. Coach McBride next on Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity dot com backslash subscribe promo code gbr welcome to hail varsity radio the voice of husker nation insight opinion expertise with the biggest and best names talking nebraska across the state join the show on twitter at hail varsity and at schmitz underscore radio call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865 here's chris schmitz Thanks for your time. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. What is the reality with Tom Brady? Retired, still playing on an uh, Italian vacation, probably. Russ Hochstein, dear friend of Tom Brady and standout Husker offensive lineman coming up in 25 minutes. Get his take. They were teammates and won a couple of rings in New England. We turn our attention and say hi to Charlie McBride, Mr. Blackshirt, a Monday with Charlie. Coach, another great weekend of football. How you doing? Yeah, it, was, it was. It was a, it was, um, very, very <laughs> it was good. Maybe not quite as crazy as we saw the week before, but it was... Uh, Good football. I mean, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of penalties, and you know, it was just a good, 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 good deal. I watched it. I didn't. I was, you know, I, everybody I think was in the back of their back of their hearts for a little bit, you know, for Cincinnati, and and it worked out. You know, you could kind of tell the way it ended, how the interception was made. If you looked at it, it was one of those things that bounced off a few guys and right into the guy's hands and you know so you knew they were a snake bit and uh they were they were going to win the game and but uh when they go into overtime it's, it's how even everybody was mm-hmm. you know i mean winning with kicks and winning with, some, with overtimes and stuff like that so it made it a lot it made it a lot better i think it was they were all good games Charlie McBride's with his coach. Uh, it was uh, an incredible effort defensively by Cincinnati to shut down that Chiefs offense because it looked looked too easy, man. It looked way too easy. And and since and, and Kansas City's that good, the first drive, you know, three drives of the game, it's twenty-one to three before you could blink, and you're like, this is going sideways. 
better go get another beer. And uh, it, it, in Cincinnati, was able to, to kind of regroup and they start. They only rushed three. They were able to to get some pressure, stay in their rush lanes, and also double cover some of those weapons. Uh, tell me uh, what, what you thought of the defensive effort, and and also well, remind you of anything you ever did as far as making a change and getting after a team. Well, I think the biggest thing was is the the mindset after they got twenty one to three was probably a little bit, you know, not not good for them. You know, they they lost a little bit of their focus. I think, um, you know, and then you go in at halftime and you're thinking, oh, this is, you know, we're going to get this done, and and you just uh, you're on the wrong wavelength for what you need to be in a game like that. And Cincinnati is young, and uh, they just know they they're young, and they just want to play, and they they give it all they got, and that's all it took. You know, and um, when you really look at it, maybe Kansas City as a team is maybe a little better. But, you know, I think now I think you're going to see Kansas or Cincinnati really start to move it because they'll, if they have a good draft and everything, they'll really be trouble. They're ahead of schedule. I mean, they were 2 and 14, and then 4 <laughs> 4 11 and 1 with a quarterback who. I think, you know, Joe blew his knee out and, and rushed, you know, and, and really recovered that ACL-MCL deal, and he's playing confident. But they're, they're supposed to maybe be around 500, right? And there was talk about Zach not being back yeah. uh, after, yeah. after last year. But uh, wait till they get good, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right? Well, I think, you know, it goes back to the leadership, and it goes back, I think, you know, Burrow's a good leader. I think they, he's not a, a guy that goes off the air in any way. And I think you're looking at the, a lot of the good quarterbacks are that way. You know, the good ones that are good are pretty calm and collected, and and uh, nothing seems to bother them. And that's 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 what I, the only time I've ever seen say Brady get worked up is when he gets mad at his offensive lineman. <laughs> you know, once in a while you'll see him on the sideline, and I'm sure that is. I'm sure that as Joe Burrow gets going, he's probably going to do the same. But um, it's it you know the he's he's got the right temperament you know for the NFL, and uh, I think his consistency is probably going to be good as long as he can keep him in one piece. That's true. They got to get better on that O line, but it it was good enough uh, against the Chiefs. Charlie McBride with us, Coach. Do you know Joe? Do you know Jimmy? Do you know Jamie? Do you know the the Burrow family? Do you know the Burrow family well, pretty yeah. well? Jamie and, and Jamie and his dad. I know the you know the father pretty good. I mean, you know, I, he's been back to Lincoln way from the time I was there on and off all the time. And um, you know, and then you know, Jamie played you know for us, and mm-hmm. and I think his I think Joe was um, you know really. Um, thinking of coming to Nebraska at one time. And then I, I think Tom, you know, was truthful with him, you know, and he felt like it might be better on the other side of the fence. And um, that's what I think, you know, happens. And it happened for the for the best because he, he found out that, you know, he goes through spring ball number one and number one, two years in a row and then ends up being all of a sudden he gets back to, 
summer and he's number two right away and it didn't it, that that didn't work very good for you know his his competitiveness and and so he made the move to LSU and paid off. I'd say uh, it, it really paid off down there and. Ohio State, you know, that was there was a little window between the Nebraska stuff's been well documented, but there was a window there where Burrow could have seized the gig at Ohio State. They went with another guy. This was before uh, before uh, Ohio State went on a title run, and you know Burrow transferred down, and by year two at LSU was was incredible. Uh, this was before Fields, right at Ohio State. So, right, right. <laughs> um, you well, know, he, he just it just seemed. You know, I, I tell you, the funny thing too is, uh, you know, you can go back um, uh, when you go to. Uh, you're going to find if you if you really know Oklahoma at all, you're going to find out that there's been some guys that have been the number one quarterback during the spring, and and Barry's going to go to the eye and telling them this and that and. And the ball comes, <laughs> they get the ball taken away from, and they give it to you know somebody else, and and run the wishbone. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know some of them aren't cut out for it. And you know I think a couple of them, as I remember, through the years have transferred and you know and gone on and done well. Sure. And uh, you know so you know I think you know with this portal thing is. It may be good for the players and bad for the teams. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's one of it's you know it's 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 kind of a uh, kind of a thing that I think in 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 the long run, you know, I remember. I think it was I was listening to uh, uh, to Lou Holtz talk one time, and Lou's pretty profound and 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 is really. He, he knows a lot about football, you know. He knows about a lot about the game itself. And they, one of his, one of the questions I think they asked him one time was, uh, "What's the difference in players nowadays and 20 years ago, 30 years ago?" And he said, "Well, 30 years ago, he said, kids are it was obligation and responsibility. Now it's rights and privileges." And uh, I think I think that's the sad part about it. I think you know it's not like the old days. I think I, as you remember, maybe you don't. I do. When when the war was going on in the Second World War, how many baseball players walked off the baseball field and <clears throat> ended up going in the military? You wouldn't find that now in a million years. Well, I, I think uh, I think uh, Ted Williams, where Ted Ted missed three yep. years, DiMaggio missed three four years, and the Ted Ted went and did Korea. I mean, yeah, so he was a pilot. Yeah, no, he was he was a pilot, and he there was two tours. He was World War Two, but he was also Korea. Uh huh. Yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody went back in World War II. I mean, all the, all the, all these yeah. Hall of Famers did. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about: obligation and responsibility. Yeah, I mean, you know, right now, if you had, if you, if you turned around and had to put the draft in, like many of the other countries have, um, right now, you'd be, uh, you'd have a, everybody moving somewhere. They, they wouldn't. They, they wouldn't. They don't have the you know, the, the the guts to do it. They, they, they're going to get out and find a way to get out. Just like you find a lot of these senators and people with money and things like that that you hear about, you know, <clears throat> you know, that uh, 
have a way of getting away from things and uh you know which is sad in a bunch of ways <laughs> i remember i got i got drafted and i was with a bunch of guys we were all in school so they let us go back to school at the time it was kind of between the, the korean war was just getting rolling and mm-hmm. and they let us all go back to school and then i they said they they'll call us back and a lot of us did and didn't and the, I remember getting my first physical. I had a, I had a. In fact, it was funny because it was. They don't fool around. They, they get their letter one week and the next week you're on a bus. Mm-hmm. And, and so we, we had a whole bunch of guys on the on the bus from Boulder when I was in school out there, and go down to Denver to the base down there. And I had my knee operated on on Monday, and I think the next Thursday it was. With a splint on my leg, I was down there getting a physical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know that's how fast it worked. It didn't work like, oh, you're gonna. We'll call you in a couple of months. It's we'll call you in five minutes and mm-hmm. get hand you a gun and tell you let's go. So, Coach, you know it changed. No, it has. Uh, I want to get uh, a thought here before. We'll have uh, another mo- another week. It'll feel like a month, but another week to to gear up towards the Super Bowl. But what what did you like about Zach Taylor? What did you notice about him in Nebraska? And did you did you think that you know what he could be something special as a head coach? You know, it, 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 I, you know, I I would I would say yes about a lot of quarterbacks because they really are. You know, they really are trained by by the offensive people to really do things that have to get into the game more than any other position. And and this is a thing that I I'm you know I tried to do, and I don't think I did a good enough job at it. But our, our linebacker coaches did a better job of it of you know, down a distance responsibilities and learning about teams. And the hard part was, is just like uh, you think you've heard me say before, for playing a team, we don't know what they do because they got a new coach, they got new defensive coaches and everything, and now we're supposed to open up and play them. Right. That's crazy. And um, I think Northwestern's got a couple of new guys, and I don't know whether they're coordinators or not, but <clears throat> that's that's the hard thing about starting a season off. Mm-hmm. When you start off with a, a league league game, uh, I think it's hard. Mm-hmm. But I think with Zach, I think there's you know his 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 mental part of the game. He's he's a thinker. You know that's just me looking at him. And he's he's a he's a guy that uh, distributes his leadership to his coaches and lets them coach. Charlie, did you did you see the video of uh, Zach Taylor going to the uh, the bars after uh, Cincinnati's first couple postseason wins, handing out game balls? Uh, I just want to ask about uh, how that works as, as as a coach and giving back to the community. I mean, you're almost a face of the franchise at that point. I just want to get your opinion on him going out and thanking the fans of Cincinnati uh, for for the support. Well, I think he's a real person. I think that's what people want. I think they want somebody. You know, when you get into towns that are you know, have have people that are, you know, they that work their tails off all their lives. Say, you know, if some guy comes in and, and and connects with them, which what I think he did. He's young. He probably had a couple of beers with him, and you know, 
um, you know, and things like that. Make them feel comfortable about being around him and stuff like that. You're going to do nothing but help yourself. I mean, you know, especially in the NFL. I think college is a little different, but I think the NFL is is is. You know, they, they, I thought they got away from the cigars until, until, <laughs> nope. I, saw, nope. until I saw Burrow with a cigar in his mouth. But, you know, you go back in the days of Bobby Lane and some of those guys who went and got a pack of Chesterfields or a pack <laughs> of or camels out and had smoke, a couple smokes between in at the halftime and who knows what they drank. Smoke's on the sideline. <laughs> what's, what's the kicker doing? He's lighting up. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well. But I think I think that that I say that stuff rubs off on, on and and that's just the way a person is. You have to be yourself. Yeah. If you try to be somebody else and you're coaching, you're not going to get it done. You got to be yourself. And I always appreciated Coach Osborne. Mm-hmm. He let us coach football, and he let us coach the way we coach. Now there's some things that don't go. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, but those are understood. But there, you know, it it was a it was a thing when I I went in there and I remember saying to him right away, if we don't have more group work, I can't work here. Sure. I said we can, I can't teach kids in fifteen minutes what to do in a game, mm-hmm. you know, a day. And I think that I think a lot of head coaches forget about defense and forget about some of the real things that guys can do that's why they're there you're a coach to coach that position well let's coach it okay let's not say you get five minutes for this and two minutes for that and and that's why i think the nfl has a has a when they have two days you you know guys do exactly the way they they want i need 15 minutes i need a half hour i need this i need this and all works out charlie mcbride with us coach will gear up for the super bowl next week how's that sound yeah, is it that, no week after, isn't it? It is, but I'm saying we'll, 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 we'll gear up for the Super Bowl next week. Whenever we talk to you next. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who, who's going to win, though? We'll, we'll, we'll make that decision next Monday. <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> okay. Thanks for being okay. on, Coach. Appreciate Thank, your time. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye now. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Lots of Husker football talk and of course, NFL and Tom Brady. What is happening with Tom? We Bring in uh, great Husker, uh, All-American, and, uh, of course, longtime NFL vet, two Super Bowl championships with Brady in Tampa. I should say uh, started in Tampa, but uh, two titles with New England. Russ Hochstein with us. Russ, I'm going to be a jerk. You're a, you're a Nebraskan, and uh, we can count on one hand, brother, the, uh, the number of 60-degree 
well, January days that, that exist, and we're probably into double digits now. How are you doing with that nor'easter? Well, I'm uh, I'm just hoping that when I get to the bottom of my sidewalk from digging out in the trench that I can see the sun at some point. Uh, 20, 24 inches later, a lot of back pain and, and gasoline in your snowblower. I think we're going to make our way through it. Russ Hochstein with us. So do you not recruit the, the little ones to help you or do you like kind of bundling up and, and removing snow? <laughs> Absolutely. Did I recruit? I made sure they were out there as long as I was, as, as often as I was, because on storms like this, as you guys know, it's not just one pass. You don't go, go clean your driveway off in one pass. It takes two. So uh, I made sure uh, my young sons were out there with shovels and uh, I got to run the snowblower while they did the manual labor. Look at that. Uh, just delegating. <laughs> I love it. Russ Oaks died with his uh, Super Bowl champ two times over with New England. Russ, uh, no no official announcement from from the Brady camp. You've got guys that have been insiders for a number of years in the NFL reporting, swearing by over the weekend that this is it for Tom Brady. What do you believe, Russ? What do you believe with your friend and, and old teammate Tom Brady? What do you think? I am uh, I am uh, I'm right down the middle. I'm a mixed bag. Uh, I can totally understand uh, Tom's. Um, you know, being I'm the same age as Tom and, and feeling that he's probably getting close to the end, as we all know, um, there's nothing new about that. But um, the way it was reported um, sheds a little uh, shadow on it because uh, Tom's very controlling on how he gets his message out and uh, has been for many, many years. So um, there's a lot of doubt in that side of it, too. And uh, I'm kind of surprised everyone's hitching their wagons to one side or the other. I, I uh if everyone was smart, they just let Tom do his thing because uh, I've heard he's out of the country and we probably won't even hear anything from him for a couple of weeks um, on his on his announcement, whether he is going to retire or stay in. Um, I'm guessing his, the way the game ended uh, last week that he has a little uh, bad taste in his mouth and he may want to come back for one more run at it. But we all know things rarely end the way you want them to. So, um you know, I just, I mean, the guy's amazing. So uh, it, it's hard to be really angry or, or upset either way. It'll be a sad day for the NFL um, if he does decide to go. Um, and all we can say is thank you for all the great memories and, and awesome moments. And I know he's been a friend of mine and uh, it, it, a lot of guys I've played with and the guy has, has uh, done it the right way. So one way or the other, we'll get our answer. But uh, I'm kind of right down the middle. I don't know what's going to happen really at the end of this. Russ Hoekstein with us, uh, Husker standout and a multiple-year NFL vet, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ, a number of years with New England, part of those uh, championship teams. Uh, at, so, Russ, what was what was Tom like? Because uh, he got – did you guys come in at the same time? Where did, where did you, your guys' relationship start? What was he like year one to that final year together? Well, I, he, Tom's, he, Tom came in the league a year before I did. So uh, I came in in 2001, and I obviously was on different teams uh, in Tampa Bay is where I was drafted under a then Tony Dungy run team. Um, and then I ended up uh, in 2002 uh, being cut and released from there and ended up in New England where I spent the next seven seasons. So I got to know Tom pretty well over those years. And uh, so Tom was had already won the Super Bowl in 01 and was kind of on his way um, and had proven himself as a starting quarterback. And here in 02, we went 9-7 and seven and didn't make the playoffs that year. So um, there was a little bit of rattle. But, man, the next two or three years, we, we, uh, we went back-to-back. And uh, you kind of saw the 
the emergence of the great Tom Brady. And, and personally, on a personal note, Tom's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's a brother. Uh, he's he's one of those guys that, that uh, could easily sit down and, and break bread with you and, and, uh, and believe it or not, probably have a beer with us, O-Lyman, uh, when the time came. Um, but Tom, you know, as his career evolved, uh, kind of went to another level. I mean, uh, uh, I hear – people talk about uh great you know the great basketball players and and other other athletes that have kind of went to another level and tom is certainly one of those as we can tell from his record and what he's accomplished um but you know it just he moved to another level of of not only fame but uh of success and uh pressure and all those things that went along with it but tom has stayed the same guy that i've always known him to be um and uh, personally, uh, his personality hasn't changed much there. Um, I know a lot of exterior factors have changed around him with, with his fame. But uh, Tom's a great guy, a brother to me. And, uh, you know, as Lyman, we we did whatever we could to keep him standing upright. Because as long as he was standing upright, you had a chance to win a game. Russ Hochstein's with us. We're talking about Tom Brady. What What is real? Is he retired? Is he going to retire? Does he want another year? Uh, we're diving into that no official word from Brady as we talk with Russ right now. And uh, Russ kind of hinting at the, the Tom's out of the country because he can. <laughs> some, 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 some seclusion's probably in order and, and good for him on that. Russ, we'll dive into the, the Super Bowl here in a little bit and, and some Husker thoughts as well. What's your take on the dynamic? And I, I think it takes a special person to thrive and succeed in New England just because of, of of how things are run. And that's not criticism. That's just it. it is – it's New England, man. It's the Patriot way, and, and you guys and Coach Belichick had a certain way of doing things, and guess what? You won. You won a lot. Guys would take pay cuts to win a lot. I mean, it, there's, there's we versus me, and that's how I look at New England. I go to Tampa – and I, I really like Bruce Arians, and he'd be awesome to have a beer with and go play nine or eighteen with. But it's it, I would I would liken it to spring break, you know, <laughs> versus <laughs> versus uh, I don't know uh, military school, okay, uh, with New England. And th- those are my comparison; those are my words, not yours. That said, what do you think about the dynamic? for Brady going from a New England to a Tampa and great you win it year one in Tampa but then it you know for them to to come out like they did against the Rams that that they didn't seem like they were real prepped and that doesn't sound a lot like Tom Brady to me I think that might be sticking in his craw uh, I would I would completely agree with you I um you know you gotta remember we we Tom spent so many years here in New England where it was so detail oriented and uh, you know you you knew your schedule uh, you know what days of the week you're gonna do third down what days of the week you're gonna go over goal line and short yardage and uh and those routines were stuck to you know with kids guys came in and I certainly know while I was here I knew a day of the week what we were gonna go over and and you knew every detail of that um, game situation and I don't know I, I'm not gonna speak for anybody in Tampa as, as we were talking about uh, I don't know exactly if they're that detail oriented uh, that we were here I mean that's the reports we hear is that it's a little bit more loose um, in Florida but I'm gonna tell you what you can win either way um, and we certainly over the years and pro football we've seen teams of all kinds of all different calibers um, with different coaching styles and things like that win championships so certainly you can win any, any which way 
Um, I don't know if that's probably Tom's favorite way to win because he is so detail oriented and he knows, you know, timing is everything for him. And, and he's so detail oriented when it comes to routes and, and position and, and where receivers need to be and, and how his offense operates. So, uh, you know, maybe and you, you might be right. I, I kind of got the same sense as you that that was a little bit that that didn't end the way he wanted it to. Um, and that might be uh, hanging in there and maybe he says, you know what, maybe we can change this, this and that. I'll come back again and make another run at it one more time. And at least we'll get to do it on the level that I'm expecting it to be. And, and maybe that's how he views it. So uh, there's certainly I'm hoping he doesn't retire because I just love watching him. But, um, yeah, that could absolutely be the way. But who knows? It'll be interesting to see. I, I think he still has good ball left. I mean, you know when you know it's time to walk away. And he's still he's still at a high level, Russ. I will tell you this. Uh, a lot of the guys, when I came in the league, the old, the old saying was, when you think you need to retire, play two more years and then retire. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I hope he plays till 47. Because if you look at the numbers, you look at the numbers that he put up, um, it is unbelievable. I mean, he's in MVP caliber at his age. Uh, he's doing something no one's ever thought was going to happen and uh it's pretty amazing so i don't it's not a physical thing for him as far as uh the ability to deliver the ball timing you know call pick up pressures and things like that i'm sure there's a lot of wear and tear with hits and things like that um but again you know I, I did that it's not the peyton manning my arm fell off a cliff right. situation you know, situation. Um, so he's throwing the ball at a great clip. So I don't think physically you're worried. And even if he played a half of what he normally is, mm-hmm. is if he can go out and run a game, he can still win you a game. So uh, uh, that, that to me is, is not even to be talked about. If physically you can do it. I think we've all seen that. Now I think it's the mental game and what you got to put up with and what you got to do. And if you said, you know, he's, he's bugged by details and, and how practices are run, maybe that's the other part of that we don't see couple more minutes. Russ Hochstein with us. Russ, uh, your thoughts here. A lot of Nebraska connections uh, with Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, and Cincinnati doing the improbable, and that's going into Arrowhead. You played a couple of years with the Chiefs. You know what that home field's like. And uh, they got it done, man. And uh, Joe Burrow, the, the the Nebraska connection with the Burrow family, of course. So a lot of happy uh, Husker fans for the Zach Taylor-Joe Burrow combo. What do you think is Cincy? And, and specifically, what do you think is Zach Taylor in year three doing what he's done? I think Zach Taylor is uh, is, is blowing, blowing open his expectations. Uh, the guy has, has walked in there, uh, went through a tough injury year last year, uh, brought in Joe Burrow, and this kid's got some swag, and he is fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I thought they were almost all completely done in the uh, second quarter, and, and the Chiefs had a chance to go kind of put the nail in the coffin right before half. Yeah. That doesn't happen, and wow, what a change happened. And, and uh you know, I'm, obviously, I played in Kansas City, and I love Kansas City, and, and uh, my kids are one of their favorite teams. Arrowhead is a special place, and uh, it was it was the wind was completely when that pick happened and a couple turnovers and things. It was amazing to see how Cincinnati mounted that comeback again um, to do what they did, and and my hats off to them, man. Those guys, those guys fought, scrapped. 
um, showed up and, and made some big plays at big times. And uh, Joe Burrow was in the center of that. So I give him all the credit in the world, and it is going to be fun to watch them in the Super Bowl. So uh, I thought it was an amazing, fun game. I, I two, We've had two unbelievable weeks in the NFL watching football and, and how these games are coming down to the wire and, uh, you know, what it takes to win. And, and again, we go to the detail talk, uh, the little things in, in situational football, who wins games. And uh, Cincinnati had it in them. Um, unfortunately, the, the Chiefs looked like they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit and kind of gave them an opening, and then they just ran with it. Um, so, uh, but amazing football to watch all the way around. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Russ Hochstein with us, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ with New England, 12 years in the NFL, time of the Chiefs and Broncos, and of course, uh, seven years with Tom Brady in New England. Russ, you had a great offensive line uh, with Nebraska. Uh, you and Raiola and Finotti, I remember that line well, covering you guys in college. And uh, you were mean, you were nasty, and could run the football on anyone. Uh, it's not uh, Dominic, but a Donovan running the Husker offensive line now. What are you hoping for? What do you expect from from Nebraska's O-line as uh, the Big Red try and uh, take that next step and and find postseason here uh, in year five for Coach Frost? I'm uh, I'm excited for him. You know, uh, there is one thing, and I know the, the season. <laughs> being a Husker fan, I was watching the same games you guys were, and uh, it is it's tough that we were a little bit snake bitten, and we were in every game, we were competing. And uh, one thing I take away from it is the improvement that has come year after year. You know, slowly but surely, it's a steady direction. Um, I'm hoping that continues. I think Donovan will be a big aid and help. Um, you know, I, I think they have gotten better as a unit, uh, definitely overall. The whole line has, and uh, and like you kind of touched on earlier, I just hope that mean nasty streak kind of comes in there and play. But smart, mean, and nasty. Um, we don't need a bunch of penalties because God knows that we've we've had plenty of those. But we need to, you know, continue to improve in that area, you know, and put a guy in the pocket who can throw the ball and deliver the ball, um, dink and dunk if he needs to, but really keep the guy upright and uh, protect. And I think this team can go in the right direction going ahead. And I think Donovan can help them do that, uh, certainly. And um, it'll be fun to watch. You know, I'm I'm excited every year, um, but I, I just I'm hoping we see another step forward next year and uh, can kind of turn the ship around a little bit. Were you guys made mean and nasty by by Milt and Dan, or did you come in mean and nasty? I mean, I know everyone's personality is different, but as a unit, I look at that that 1999 line, and and you guys finished number two in the country, 12 and one. Uh, you guys were impressive, and um, the thing too is you guys weren't asked to go kill it and and be great 
true freshman or redshirt freshman, you guys were seasoned and developed for a couple of years, weren't you, before you got thrown in? Well, absolutely. You know, Dom played at an early age. Dominic was 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 good enough and physical enough to play at an early age. So he got to play early on. Um, I redshirted and and, and then didn't get, you know until the next year after that. But I'll tell you, you know, when you go back and look at those, uh, we built depth in the system, and I think Scott's doing that between the walk-on program of what you do and keeping the amount of kids you can on a roster, building that walk-on program is a huge key. It builds competition within your own program. Um, it gets guys to develop, get stronger in the weight room, put on a little weight, they grow, they mature, and uh, that helps your football team. And I, and I hope we're starting to see some of that coming forward out of that. And, um, you know, like you said about the mean and nasty thing, there was a culture around our team, and, and some of it goes to the D-line side back when when uh, the Lauren Kaisers, the Peter brothers, the, uh, those guys, it was a competition and week in week out and day in and day out in practice with those guys. They hated to lose. We hated to lose. And that kind of developed as a team culture. And, uh, uh, I certainly can't speak for anybody there now and how they're doing things now, but, um, I know that's what made us so competitive and, and, uh, you know, the word mean and nasty kind of came out of that because it just was the refuse to lose kind of situation. We hated it. And uh, we thought we were better than everybody. And we thought we were actually better practicing every week against the best guys in the country. And uh, that made us that much better. And we weren't worried about if we could just play our game, we'd win games and, and not worry about our competition outside. It was because we wanted to compete so much against our own teammates. And um, we believed really, truly that we were better than everyone at that time. And, and uh, that, that culture takes time to put back in play and, and get it rolling again, and I'm hoping that's what they're doing. Russ, uh, best to you. Stay, uh, stay warm, dethaw, dig out, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again. Appreciate your insight on on the NFL and the Huskers, bud. Absolutely, you guys enjoy and uh, enjoy the tropics of Nebraska right now. Tropics, it is, and this was pretty good on Twitter from Troy. Troy's like, look, he he tweets in, oh, old Lyman Russ is. In, uh, in New England, he's a Nebraskan, Hardington, and he's probably out there scooping in an old jersey, pushing the snowblower like it's a defensive lineman. Russ is probably not we- – I should have asked him. He's not wearing sleeves. You talk about 24 feet of snow. <clears throat> uh, no thanks, but uh, good for him having the kids out there doing the manual labor. Well, no, no, you, you don't wear the sleeves. It's an intimidation thing, A, for your neighbors – who are seeing you out there in no sleeves and like, man, I'm not going to mess with this neighbor. Like, I don't care how loud his dogs are. Like, I'm not going to go knock on his door and complain. That's number one. And number two, it's- that's my problem is I've never lifted a shovel yet. And uh, my dogs uh, keep the neighborhood awake. And then number two, though, it's, it's, it's intimidation for the weather. It's like letting Mother Nature know, hey, don't come around here no more. You ain't, you ain't scaring me. So did you wear sleeves in high school? It uh, depends how much playtime I was getting in the game. I see. If, if, you're, if you're out in the field, so you, it's you not that So you checked with bad. Coach Cotula, hey, am I, am, I, am I starting today? It depends what the game plan was. You were that guy asking, no, no, no. hey, Coach, am I going to get in because I, I am I going to go long sleeve, long john or not? If, if they threw me in the walkthrough, and I'm like, okay, maybe I'm not going with the sleeves. If I wasn't in the walkthrough the, the day before the game, it is, I am firmly wearing the long sleeves. You're wearing the turtleneck a sweatshirt, too. right. You're doing the old uh, 70s turtleneck look. Did you... Uh, did you uh, Vaseline up? No. No? no. What, what would the point of that be? I think that's what linemen do is you put Vaseline on your arms to keep warm. 
if you're going oh, sleeveless. See, see, I can see that from the the perspective of a, a D lineman not wanting to get held, like you don't want to you don't want them to, to slide off. But like, sure. no, I, I was never a pro wrestler or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't need the, to be oiled up before a game. <laughs> uh, our friend Greg emails in Chris at alevarsity.com. This goes back to hour one. Did Elijah just say local cats? Uh, back when you were talking your baseball, baseball yeah. preview, did Mario rub off on him? <laughs> I have I don't know where Super Mario's at. I kind of miss the the gangster cigar look. Now cigars and the best picture on Twitter this weekend was Jimmy Burrow and Jimmy Chase, Jamar's dad and, and Joe's dad, out in the Chiefs parking lot having a smoky treat. Having a big old cigar, because that's Joe's thing, man. It's Victory Cigar, and he's got Mixon doing it. He's got the whiteouts doing it. Well, did you see the reporters that were uh, out of Arrowhead yesterday said there was just cigar smoke pouring out of the locker room in the postgame? I bet. <laughs> Absolutely. And I just wonder if somebody that was disgruntled within the Chiefs organization tried to pull an NCAA where there's no smoking in here, tried to get him. Because you remember after the, uh, oh, yeah. the LSU title game. They, they went around and told the LSU kids to put out the smoke. And uh, no, I will not put out my, my uh, cigar. I can't do cigars, man. I, I could do them, and then I'd be on a respirator the next day with my lungs. But I like them. I liked them when I was younger. See, I was always more into uh, to pipe tobacco. However... Your, your brother's a, a pipe guy. My uncle's a pipe guy. My brother's a pipe guy. Uh, they he showed me. up to the Oklahoma tailgate, and he had his... Hemingway pipe going. <laughs> He's just, that stuff is all that. We had some old neighbor that that we delivered papers to, and he had the 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 pipe right, the old Howard Schnellenberger pipe where you loaded it in, and he's probably wearing a corduroy. I don't know, blazer, right? Mm-hmm. And he's and he's reading literature. He's got a desk, and he's he's educated, and he's got the pipe going and it that stuff always smelled good it smelled like vanilla yeah and the best thing is you can go get like an ounce of the pipe tobacco for like four bucks five bucks it's incredible look at you promoting smoking to america's youth we'll wind down on monday next we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the espn lincoln app or download them on itunes saddle up partner back to hail varsity radio Big thanks to Coach McBride to kick off this hour. Russ Oakstein, awesome. To get his perspective on if Tom Brady is actually retiring or not. And the NFL playoffs with the two-time Super Bowl champ with New England, 12-year NFL vet, also a former chief. And then Greg Smith all over recruiting. We'll have plenty of coverage and uh, thoughts on signing day Wednesday, tomorrow a Tuesday with Kaz. Rick Kaczynski will join us. Mitch Sherman also with us, and then working on a surprise for tomorrow. So we're 50-50 on that surprise. We'll leave it there. So not only is Joe Burrow in rarefied air, number one pick overall, national championship quarterback, going to the Super Bowl year two, but he has pulled off what every eight-year-old thinks is the best news. Not just coming from behind, but school in all of Cincinnati has been called off the day after the Super Bowl. People are partying and happy in Cincinnati anyway. But now, 
I mean, you want to talk about a kid's favorite player? Forget the performance. Dude got school called off, not due to weather, but due to just the sheer hope of celebration. Well, did you see the uh, the petition that got over 100,000 signatures to move the Super Bowl to Saturday? That's there. I still think it's Sunday. There, there's I, too much around the, the Super Bowl Sunday term. It's It's been in the, the, the public's uh, you need vernacular your, for your, too long. Your, your eight-hour pregame, right? Well, you, you don't, but you do. And, you know, whether it becomes a national holiday or not, we're still here the Monday after. Now, there are some Super Bowl Mondays where there was a lot of Don Draper, Alka-Seltzer with all of our ESPN Super Bowl parties on location. We had a hell of a good time, a better time than a lot of the games turned out to be. <laughs> Aside from the uh, the Seattle-New England Super Bowl. That was a good one. With with the Russell Wilson pick in the end zone. Don't, don't even talk about the Denver Broncos snap over the head against the Seahawks. Yeah, that, stay yeah the hell away Junior and, and Mama weren't real happy with the, the Seattle-New England one. They loved the, uh, the Denver one. And then there was also Denver's win with Peyton. Incredible over the Panthers. Yeah. I mean that was that was big. That was that was a beatdown. That was Von Miller big. Yeah, one of the best defensive performances in a Super Bowl ever. So the question is, is the day after that Monday after the Super Bowl, should it be a national holiday? Something to ponder, something to think about. Also Michigan, the line is out. And uh, the fighting Jawan Howards are fourteen and a half point favorites tomorrow night with an eight o'clock tip. We'll see how Nebraska rebounds, responds. You know, Bryce is playing at a high level. Trey's been a difference maker. Uh, what else happens? Does Kobe bounce back? Do you get Verge it's, back? It's expected that Verge is going to be back in the lineup based on what I've seen today. Yeah. He's and, dealing and with family tragedy. He is, and that sucks, man. Uh, Verge has been a pinata this year, and kid's got some amazing skill. Yeah. Hope he can settle in and, and go... You know, pay tribute. I know he'll want to play for that family member that, that's that's gone. Uh, and you hope you get a better performance from Kobe. Uh, back tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity. Find the podcast. Give us a rating. Good, bad, or ugly. Want your feedback. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Thanks for tuning in. A Huda Media Production.